Amen. All right, well, we're there in the book of Job, and of course, tonight we're starting a brand new book of the Bible, the book of Job, and whenever we start a new series or a new Bible study, I always take the opportunity to say, hey, it's great that you're here for the first sermon. Uh, I want to encourage you to be faithful. You know, wouldn't it be great if you could be here for every sermon in the book of Job? If you were here for all uh, 42 weeks of the book of Job, and we're going to take, this is a, a longer book, a bigger book, so we're going to take one uh, week at uh, one chapter per week. And of course, we're starting here in the book of Job. And of course, the book of Job is about a man who persevered through uh, great trials. And what we're going to do tonight, and I'd like, I'm going to give you several things to write down, and I'd encourage you to write uh, down these statements as we go through them. But we're going to divide this chapter into kind of three sections. Um, so I'll just kind of give you a heads up in regards to that. The first section is we're going to look at three things that we know uh, because of Job that Job did not know. And then we're going to quickly take a look at Job's trials, and then we're going to look at three ways that Job maintained uh, perspective through uh, trials. And the, the reason that I want to begin with uh, what we know because of Job that Job did not know is because this really is the purpose of this book. The purpose of this book is for us, you know, we, we know uh, what Job is about. We know what the book's about. We know the end of the story. We know how it ends. But you've got to keep in mind as you read uh, the Bible. And I would encourage you to do this anytime, especially you guys that want to preach. And you, if you want to preach sermons uh, that that are uh, passionate and excited, uh, exciting. One one thing that you should do when you read the Bible is put yourself into the story. Realize that you're not just reading uh, a story here. This actually happened. There really was a man named Job. This uh, these events actually happened in his life. And the difference between Job and you and Job and me is that Job did not get the privilege to read the book of Job before he went through it. Um, he didn't know the things we know. We get a perspective that is different than what Job knew. So there are uh, three uh, just great truths here, things that we know, things that we know because of Job that Job did not know. And, uh, you know, when Job went through his great trial, he didn't know these things. But when you go through a trial, and when I go through a trial, we have the book of Job. We can look at the book of Job, and we can understand some of these things. So I want you to notice these things um, in the book of Job. And we'll begin there in verse number one. I want you to notice the blessings of Job. In verse one, we see that he was a perfect man. Job chapter one and verse one, the Bible says this, there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. Notice the Bible says, and that man was perfect. Now, you see the word perfect there? Uh, I've, I've told you this before, and I've taught you this before. The word perfect in our King James Bible is not the same as what we commonly use as the word perfect today. Today, if you say something's perfect, you mean it's there without error, that there's nothing wrong with it. In the Bible, that's not what the word perfect means. The word perfect means he was complete, he was whole, he was mature. The word perfect means that he was a balanced man. And here we're told that Job was a man that was perfect. He was a mature believer. He was whole. He was complete. There's nothing in his life that was really out of balance. And then notice what the Bible says. Not only was he a perfect man, but the Bible says that he was an up, that he was upright. It says, and upright. What does that mean? That means that he was a man of integrity. And next uh, week, when we're in Job chapter 2, we're actually look, we're going to look at Job's integrity a little bit. But this was a man that did right. He, he was upright in all, all his dealings. There was nothing crooked about him. There was nothing uh, uh, odd uh, uh, about him. When you, you got what you saw, when you, got, when you saw Job, he was an upright man. 
then the Bible says that he was one that feared God. And of course, the Bible tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible tells us that we as believers should fear the Lord. And the Bible says that he eschewed evil. And that word means to abstain from. He abstained from evil. So we see that this is a very uh, a godly man, a very mature believer. The Bible says that he was a perfect man, upright, feared God. He eschewed evil. Notice, not only was he a perfect man, but the Bible tells us that he was a prosperous man. And it's interesting because when God gives us a kind of rundown of his prosperity, he gives that to us in verses 2 and uh, verses 3. And I want you to notice where God begins with this man's prosperity. In verse 2, he says this, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. It's interesting to me that when God begins to talk to us about Job and his prosperity, he begins by telling us how many children he had. Then he says this in verse 3, His substance also. Now he begins to tell us about the things he owns. He says, His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that his... Uh, so that that this was, uh, excuse me, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Today, if you and I were telling the story, or if the common person in 2020 was telling the story, they would tell the story this way. Job was a prosperous man, and they begin with all the things that he had. You know, the fact that he owns this property, and he has this much in his 401k, and he's got this much, you know, in his savings account, and he's got these toys, and he's got all these vehicles. But notice, God doesn't begin that way. God begins by telling us of his prosperity, and he says, hey, let me start by telling you the fact that he had seven sons and three daughters. Look, the Bible says that children are an heritage of the Lord, and that the fruit of the womb is his reward. And today, we live in a society where we look at children as a burden. We look at children as a negative thing. People today talk about their kids, and they talk about their kids like they're burdened with them. Like, you know, I have to raise these kids, and I just can't wait till I can marry them off or get them out of the house. Please do me a favor. Never speak about your children that way, especially in their presence. You don't want your children to think that you are just, you know, uh, stuck with them. Uh, And the Bible says that children are a blessing. The Bible says that children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. When the Bible says that children are a heritage of the Lord, you know what that means? It means that they actually belong to God. Your children do not belong to you. They belong to God. And God allows us, gives us the privilege, gives us the blessing of raising those children for God. Don't ever act like your family belongs to you. You know your wife doesn't belong to you. She belongs to God. Your children don't belong to you. They belong to God. Your husband doesn't belong to you. He belongs to God. In fact, everything that you have belongs to God. So he was a prosperous man, seven sons and three daughters. And he also had a lot of wealth, 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses. And the Bible says a very great, very great household. And of course, the, with these, the way that he tells us these numbers, this is uh, an agricultural society. So this many... Uh, animals and, and flock, it tells us that this was a very wealthy man. It says that he, was a, he had a very great household, and notice it says, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East, meaning in his area, he was the richest. He was the most successful. He was the Bill Gates. He was the Warren Buffett of uh, his time. So we see the blessings of Job. And I want you to notice, thirdly, we see that he was a praying man. Notice verse number four. The Bible says this, and his sons 
went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day. Now, we don't know for sure what exactly that means, but most people agree that when it says everyone his day, that's probably referring to some sort of a birthday celebration or a specific celebration. His sons went and feasted in their houses and every, everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Here the Bible tells us that he had these adult children, but yet they uh, spent time together. They celebrated these birthdays together. And notice what Job did for his children. Verse number five. And it was so, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And of course, we believe that Job probably lived during the time of the patriarchs. This is uh, probably the time of Abraham. This is before uh, Moses had given the Levitical law and the Levitical, Levitical priesthood, which is why we see him doing these sacrifices as he rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Notice, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Notice the Bible says, I love these words at the end of verse number five. In fact, if you're a father, you should underline these words. The Bible says, thus did Job continually. The Bible tells us that Job prayed for his children. He sacrificed uh, these sacrifices. And, 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 you know, he, he was, I'm sure he was hoping that they weren't getting into trouble, but he said, hey, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, so he would pray on their behalf. He was uh, 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 praying uh, for God on the behalf of his children. So we see that this was a praying man. And here we see the, 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 that Job was a very blessed man. Not only was he blessed financially, he was blessed with a great family, and, and he, he, he had a walk with God. He was an upright man. The Lord was blessing him. The Lord was helping him. And I would say this, dads and moms, of course, and it's this. You need to make sure you're praying for your children. Now, of course, that sounds like something that you shouldn't, have even, you shouldn't even have to say today. But the truth of the matter is that most parents probably aren't praying for their children. And here's the question that I would ask you, dad. Here's the question that I would ask you, mom. If you, if you don't take the time to pray for your children, who in the world will? I mean, who's going to take the time to go to God, uh, to the throne of God, uh, to, to, to pray on behalf, uh, by name, of your children? If you don't take the time, and I'll tell you this, my wife and I, we have a list of the church family with all of your names and all of your uh, children's names, and that's probably one reason you might want to just give us your information. Make sure you're on our list, and we try to pray for you, and we try to pray through it on a regular basis, but let me tell you something, I don't, we don't always get through that list every week, and uh, you know, we try to go through it as faithfully as we can, but I'll tell you this, we pray for our kids every day. And you better be, and I'm not, we're not saying we don't love your kids. We love your kids, but mom and dad, you better be praying for your kids. And, and you better get a burden for your children. You know, um, my children are, are young, and I'm, we're praying right now for their future spouse. I want to be able to look the guy or the gal in the eye that marries my children and say, I've been praying for you for about 20 years. Nice to meet you. You're exactly what I prayed. You know, hopefully that's the case, right? Hopefully that's the, that's the way. But we see that Job was a very blessed man. And not only do we see the blessings of Job, but then we also see the boastings of God. And this was really interesting to me. Because we get a view of heaven. We get a view of God. Notice verse number six. The Bible says this. Now there was a day when the sons of God. Now, there's a lot of controversy about the sons of God in the book of Job, and I'm not going to delve into it tonight. I'll probably delve into it next week in chapter number two. But I'll just say this, 
they're not angels, all right? The sons of God in the Old Testament and New Testament have always been the sons of God. It's believers, those who have called upon Christ for salvation. Like I said, I'm not going to go into that tonight, but if that's something you're interested in, make sure you come back next week, and we'll look at that a little more further. He says, now, there was a day when the sons of God, and this is, of course, a view of heaven, came to present themselves before the Lord. And, notice, Satan came also among them. So here we have the sons of God coming to present themselves for the Lord. Of course, these are believers that are in heaven. And Satan comes in among them. Notice verse number seven. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence? The word whence means from where? He says, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Now keep your place right there in Job chapter 1. If you would, go with me to the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter number 5. If you start at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you head back, you have the book of Jude and 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter. 1st Peter, chapter number 5. When you get to 1st Peter, do me a favor and put a, your rib, a ribbon there, a bookmark or something, because uh, we're going to leave it and we're going to come back towards that part of the Bible. 1st Peter, chapter 5. I want you to notice, it's interesting because in Job, chapter 1, and verse 7, and, and this kind of shows you the consistency of Scripture, because today, you know, you have dispensationalists who say, oh, well, the sons of God in the Old Testament, you know, they're angels, but in the New Testament, it's a different thing. Uh, but notice that in Job chapter 1 and verse 7, Satan uh, is asked by God, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered in the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. In First Peter chapter 5, all the way towards the end of the New Testament, this is what Peter says under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost about the devil. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, notice, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Please understand something. We are in a spiritual warfare. The devil, the Bible says, he is walking about, going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. He walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Keep your place right there in First Peter. Go back to Job chapter 1, look at verse number 8. Job chapter 1 and verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job? And if you don't mind underlining or writing in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that question. Hast thou considered my servant Job? I mean, isn't that amazing? You think about this. God, Almighty God, the God of all the universe, is in his throne in heaven. The sons of God come to appear themselves before God, Satan coming with them, and God just throws out there and says, hey, have you, have you given much thought to Job? Have you considered my servant Job? What, what, what do you think about Job? Notice, not only do we see that Job is a blessed man, but we see that Job is the uh, object of the boasting of God. God is actually bragging here. He's showing off to Satan, and he says, Hey, Satan, what have you been up to? Well, I've been going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. God knows what that means. God knows First uh, Peter 5.8 hasn't been written yet, but the word of God is settled in heaven. He knows that that means that the adversary, the devil, is walking about, seeking 
He knows that Satan's been going up and down, to and fro, trying to destroy marriages, trying to destroy parents, trying to destroy believers, trying to get people to sin, tempting people. And God says to uh, Satan, hey, what do you think about Job? Is I considered my servant Job? I wonder if God could say that about you or me to Satan. As thou considered my servant, fill in your name. He says, Has thou considered my servant Job? Notice verse 8, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and is true with evil. That's the second time God has said these things about Job. We see that God is actually boasting and bragging about this man. Job. Go to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Keep your place right there in Job, of course. If you kept your place in First Peter and you go backwards, you're going to go past the book of James into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. And I want to just give you just a sobering thought. And it is this, that in Job we see that God actually boasts and brags about Job. He's very proud of Job. He's very proud to have Job as a son, to have Job on his team. But let me tell you something, the reverse is true. You, we ask this question, has thou considered my servant Job? And could God say that of you? But let's uh, look at the flip side. The flip side is this, the Bible also teaches that God is not only proud about some believers like Job, the Bible actually teaches that God is ashamed and embarrassed of other believers. Let me show it to you. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 16. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16, the Bible says this, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. And of course, Hebrews 11 is a great uh, passage on faith in the Bible, often referred to as the hall of faith. You've got all those different believers from the Old Testament that did great things through faith. He says this, he says, wherefore, he says, for that reason, he's talking about all these people that have been brought up in this chapter. He says, wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Here we're told that God looks at these believers in the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, and the Bible says that God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know what that tells me? That there are some people that God is ashamed to be called their God. In fact, if you remember the story of David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet said, you have given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. And you know, in your life and in my life, we ought to consider, what does God consider about us? What does God think about you? What does God think about me? Is my life a reproach to the name of God? Is my life an embarrassment to the name of God? Or would God look down from heaven and say that I am not ashamed to be called his God? I'm not ashamed to be called her God. Would God look at Satan and say, has thou considered my servant? And put your name there. We see the blessings of God. We see the boastings of God. We see the fact that Job was not only a very blessed man here on earth, but he had favor of God up in heaven. And this leads us to the first lesson, and I'd like you to write these down if you would. They're a little wordy, so I'll repeat them uh, a couple of times if it helps you. Some things that we know because of Job that Job did not know. Number one, just because we are going through trials or difficult times does not mean that God is displeased with us. Something that we have the privilege to know because of the book of Job, that Job did not have necessarily the privilege to read, his own story is this, that just because you go through a trial, 
That just because you go through a difficult time, that just because you go, just because something bad happens to you, because that's what the book of Job is about, right? A man, we're going to read it here in a minute, a man who had a lot of bad things happen to him, but just because something bad happens to you does not mean that God is displeased with you. In fact, for Job, the opposite is true. God is very pleased with him. God is boasting and bragging. God is not ashamed of Job, but God is very proud of Job. And please understand this. Sometimes we go through difficult times because God chastises us. The Bible says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Sometimes we go through hard times and difficult times in life because God is correcting us, because God is chasing us. Sometimes we go through hard times and difficult times in life because we're just reaping what we've sowed. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sometimes we go through hard times in life because uh, we're just reaping what we sowed. There's just consequences to our actions. But sometimes, sometimes you go through difficult times in life and it has nothing to do with you. It's just that God is trying you. God is making you better. God is working on you. And oftentimes people will ask me this question and they'll say, when something bad happens, they'll say, is this the judgment of God? Is this God judging us? And the truth is this, and something that I would tell you, and I'm not going to get into it too much tonight because we're going to spend about 30 some odd chapters looking at it, and it is this, that you and I need to be careful not to judge other people when they are going through trials. Because the truth is this, you don't want to be like Job's friends who show up and think they know the mind of God and they think that they know what's happening. The truth is you don't know what's happening in somebody else's life. So when something bad happens, be very careful about sitting in judgment and saying, well, I know why that happened to them. You don't know anything. I don't know anything. We don't, only God is the one who really knows. But I will say this, as a person, when you go through a difficult time, when you go through something hard, when something bad happens to you, and as soon as you get that message, as soon as you get, you listen to that voicemail, as soon as you open that bill, as soon as that situation becomes apparent, you know, the Holy Spirit of God brings something to your mind, then, then you might want to deal with that. Then it may be God, it may be God, chastising you. It may be you reaping what you've sown, but please understand this. Something we know about Job that Job did not have the privilege to know is that just because you're going through a trial, just because you're going through a difficult time, does not mean that God is necessarily displeased with you. The book of Job is probably the best theological theses against the doctrine of prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel teaches, and I'm not sure where you're at in scripture, but go, go back to the book of Job if you would. Job, Job chapter 1. Prosperity gospel teaches that if you're right with God, God's going to make you healthy and wealthy and, and you're going to be successful. You know, say that, to, say, say that to the apostle Paul, who was able to heal other people. Yet he said, I besought the Lord three times that he might take this thorn in the flesh away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. I mean, say that to, to, to Peter and James. Say that to Stephen. Say those, that to the New Testament uh, believers who were persecuted for the cause of Christ. Look, the prosperity gospel is a lie. God does not promise that when you got saved that, that everything would just be right and be good. God promised when you got saved, you know what he promised you? Eternal life. God promised that no matter what happens on this earth, the end of your life will be better because you'll be in heaven. But one thing that we learn from the book of Job is this, that just because we are going through trials or difficult times does not mean that God 
is displeased with us. And God was certainly not displeased with Job. Like you notice the second thing. Not only do we see that just because we are going through a trial or difficult time does not mean that God is displeased with us, but there's a second thing we can learn from this passage. What we know because of Job that Job did not know, number two, we know this, that God may allow trials in our lives. That God may allow trials in our lives because our response in that trial will be a testimony for others. Notice the accusation that comes from Satan. Look at verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord. Because remember, God just got done bragging, right? What you doing, Satan? I'm just going to and fro from all the earth, walking about, seeking whom I may devour. And God says, as thou considered my servant Job, what do you think about Job? Then notice Satan's accusation. The Bible says this, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? The word not there means nothing. He says, does Job fear, this is Satan speaking to God. He says, does Job fear God? Does Job fear you for nothing? Look at verse 10. Has not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand and his substance is increased in the land. He says, look, God, and this is the accusation coming from Satan. Satan says, God, Job is not serving you. Because just for no reason, Job is serving you because you blessed the work of his hands, because you've increased the substance of his land, because you've put a hedge about him and a hedge about his house and about all that he hath. Notice verse 11. Here's the accusation. Verse 11. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And Satan puts this challenge down. And he says, if you take what he has, all the things you've blessed him with, If you put forth your hand and touch all that he hath, he will curse thee to thy face. You don't have to turn here, but I'll just read this for you. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, the Bible refers to Satan as the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he's the accuser just in general. It goes really both ways and always. He accuses us to God. He accuses God to us. He accuses us to other people. And by the way, I, I would just say this, you know, we already have an accuser of the brethren, so be care- very careful about being an accuser of the brethren. Be very careful about criticizing your brother in Christ. Be careful about criticizing your sister in Christ. Be careful about, look, we, we've already got an accuser of the brethren, you don't need to help him. But Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Satan is the one that will cause you, not cause you, excuse me, he will bring a temptation and tempt you to be enticed of your own lust and cause you to fall through that temptation. And then he'll point at you and say, See, God, see? Just what I told you. Does Job serve God for not? We see Satan's accusation. But of course, in this book, And over the next 42 weeks, we will study this. In this book, we see the great affirmation from Job because the book of Job itself is a testimony. His story affirms that what God said about Job was true, that Job did not serve God for ulterior motives, that uh, Job served God because he just loved the Lord and he did not serve God for his blessing. And, And the book of Job affirms it. And here's what I want you to understand. The reason... The reason that God may allow trials in our lives is because our response in that trial will be a testimony to others. And the reason that God may allow trials in our lives is because our response in that trial may be a testimony to Satan himself. 
I mean, could you imagine this? Satan shows up. I mean, they probably would not have ended up in the Bible. <laughs> Satan shows up to the throne of God. God says, what you up to? Oh, you know, doing what I do. Walking about as a roaring lion, seeking who I may devour. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a perfect and upright man. He, he walks with integrity. He, 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 loves, he loves the Lord. And, and, and Satan says, does, does Job serve God for naught? Could you imagine if God would have taken everything from Job and Job would have cursed God? I mean, that would have been a failure. Satan would have sat there and said, I told you so. And here's all I'm telling you. And look, I'm not trying to kick you when you're down. And I realize sometimes we go through things and we go through trials and there are difficulties. But be very careful during a time of trial to charge God foolishly. Because you may be giving ammo to Satan to say, see God? No Job there. See, God, I told you that they only serve you for your blessing. And as soon as you take the blessing, they'll curse you. Notice number three tonight. What do we know because of Job that Job did not know? I said number one, we know that just because you're going through a trial or difficulty does not mean that God is displeased with you. I said, number two, we know that God may allow trials because our appropriate response in that trial will be a testimony to others. And look, not only Satan, it may be a testimony to your family. It may be a testimony to your friends, to your co-workers, to your neighbors. It's easy to serve God when everything's going easy. It's easy to serve God when everything's going right. It's during the times of trials that we really see what we are made of. But I want you to notice thirdly tonight what we know because of Job that Job did not know. And it is this, everything that comes into our life. This is something we know because of the book of Job that Job did not know. And it is this, that everything that comes into our lives, whether good or bad, is filtered and permitted by God. Job chapter 1, look at verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan. Because we have this dialogue between the Lord and Satan. Has thou considered my servant Job? Well, doth Job fear God for not? So God says, okay, I'll take that challenge. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold... All that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Go with me to the book of Daniel, if you would. Daniel chapter number 4. Daniel chapter 4, if you go to the end of the, New Te- of the Old Testament. You have the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. And then you have the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 4. Let me just say this. What we learn from the book of Job is this, that Everything that comes into your life is filtered through God. You know that? Everything that comes in your life is filtered through God. You say, oh, pastor, you don't understand. This coronavirus thing really, uh, you know, messed me up, and it really messed up my family, and it messed up my finances, and it messed up my work. And I hope that's not the case, but I will say this. The coronavirus caught you by, uh, off guard. It caught me off guard, but it didn't catch God off guard. Everything that happens in your life, everything that happens in your life, and I'm not saying everything that happens in your life is, is done by God. We're not Calvinists. We have free will and we have free choice, but everything that happens in your life is filtered through God. It's permitted by God. God allows it. And here's all I can tell you. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a difficult time, when you're going through something hard in your life, I can't really tell you if you're reaping what you've sowed, if you're being chastised by God, or if God is using you as a greater purpose for the glory of his name, but I can tell you this, God knew about it. God allowed it. God permitted it. God is in control. Daniel chapter 4, 
Verse number 25, here we have Daniel. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 25. Here we have Daniel speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar. It's like speaking to the President of the United States. He's speaking to the most powerful man on earth at this time. Nebuchadnezzar is the, uh, the leader of the most powerful nation on earth. And Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar that they shall drive thee from men. And thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee. Notice, till thou know. Here, Daniel is telling uh, Nebuchadnezzar, God's going to take everything from you. It's a different situation than Job. God wasn't pleased with Nebuchadnezzar. God wasn't happy with Nebuchadnezzar. But God t- Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, God, they're going to take everything from you. God's going to take everything from you. Why? He says, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And give it to whomsoever he will. In verse 26, he says this, And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt know that the heavens do rule. Please understand something. The heavens rule. Everything that happens in your life, everything that happens in my life, something that we know that Job did not know was this, that everything that comes into our lives, whether good or bad, is filtered and permitted by God. So we see these three thoughts of things that we know because of the book of Job that Job does not know. Then we have this section in the chapter that deals with the trial that Job went through. And this all happened in one day, and I would say it's probably the worst day that anybody's ever had. And something that we can take away from the book of Job is this. You may have had a bad day. You may have had a bad year. I think we've all had a bad year, but we've never had it as bad. I don't think anybody has ever had it as bad as Job. Job had a pretty bad day. Notice what the Bible says. First, he loses 500 oxen and 500 asses. Verse 13. And there was a day, what a day, when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. You know that Job was praying that morning. He did that continually, the Bible says. Look at verse 14. And there came a messenger, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You have this servant who shows up and says, 500 oxen and 500 asses are gone. I mean, imagine if somebody called you, if somebody texted you, if somebody showed up to your house and said, hey, I'm here to tell you, Sorry, you got laid off. You lost your job. And then, in verse, I mean, before Job can really even process this, in verse 16, the Bible says this, while he was yet speaking, you know, this guy says, hey, 500 oxen, 500 asses are gone. The Sabaeans, they fell upon them and took them away. And, and you know, I'm sure Job is going to want to ask questions. Say, well, what happened? And how, what do you mean? And, and, and while the Bible says, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God. It's funny to me how we always like to blame God for everything, right? The fire of God. We know it's, it's Satan doing it. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, consumed them. Notice, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. What if somebody showed up to your house and said, hey, sorry to give you this bad news, but, you know, the business got shut down. You've lost your job. And while they're yet speaking, somebody else shows up and says, hey, sorry to give you bad news. You know all that retirement you had in that 401k? Yeah, it's all gone. I mean, this is what Job is hearing. His finances, his security is falling apart. Notice verse 7. 
While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, somebody else says, and says, hey, you know, because when he loses the 500 oxen, 500 asses, I mean, at least he could say, well, at least I got 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. But as he's yet speaking, somebody shows up and says, hey, the 7,000 sheep are gone. And while he's yet speaking, the 3,000 camels are gone. I mean, what if you had a day like this? Somebody shows up at your house and says, hey, sorry, business got shut down. You just lost your job. And while they're yet speaking, hey, sorry, there was uh, fraud and all those investments. That, yeah, it, was a, it, it was a Ponzi scheme. And all that money that you thought you had for retirement, it's gone. And what if somebody showed up while they're yet speaking and say, hey, by the way, your house, your vehicles, it all burnt down. I mean, Job just lost everything. And while you and I might say, well, at least we have our family, Job loses probably the hardest thing that anyone could ever lose on this earth. Loses his children. Look at verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold... There came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. We see Job's trial. And then in verse 20, we start the third section of this chapter and I'll walk through it as quickly as we can. And the third section is really the application and it is this. How is it that Job maintained his patience the New Testament tells us about the patience of Job. The patience of Job, his ability to be able to persevere through these difficulties. And I believe that Job was able to persevere through these difficulties because he understood a few things. Now, let me just give you three statements on this and, and we'll finish this up. How to maintain proper perspective through trials. Because here's the thing, you might say, well, this is nice. Okay, good. If I go through a trial... If I go through a trial, I get to know some things that Job didn't know. I get to know that just because I'm going through a difficult time doesn't mean that God is displeased with me. And I get to know that uh, sometimes God allows difficult times and trials because my response will be a testimony to others. And I get to know that uh, everything that happens in my life is filtered and permitted through God. Okay, that's great. But what about while I'm going through a trial? How do I uh, uh, go through a trial? And I want to give you just three thoughts from the end of this chapter in regards to how it was that Job was able to persevere how it was that Job was able to have patience. Number one, notice uh, verse number 20. Then Job arose. I mean, think about this. What if you were Job? And be honest with yourself. And you don't have to say this out loud. You don't have to say it to your spouse or anybody else. But just be honest with you. I mean, if there's anyone that we should be able to be honest with, it should be ourselves. What if you were Job? What would verse 20 say about you? Job chapter 1 and verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Very interesting. He worshipped God. You say, how is it that Job maintained patience through these trials? Number one, he kept the proper perspective of his personal position. You know what Job understood? Job understood who he was. Because we, we've talked about things that Job didn't know. We've talked about things that we know because of Job that Job did not know. Because Job did not get the privilege to read the book of Job like you and I get to read the book of Job. 
There are some things that Job did not know, but there are some things that Job knew very well. And one thing that Job knew very well was his personal position in the scheme of life and God's plan. He knew where he fit in life. See, when you understand your position, when you understand where you fit in life, then you can respond the same way that Job responded, where he fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Go to Romans chapter 9 if you would. Just real quickly, Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter number 9. You say, Pastor, how do I go through a difficult time? You must keep a proper perspective of your personal position. Say, I don't know what that means. Here's what I'm talking about. What is your position in relationship to God? Does God worship us or do we worship God? Does God answer to us or do we answer to God? Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, notice what the Bible says. Romans 9 and verse 20, the Bible says this, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies? The word replies there means to argue. He says, who art thou that replies against God? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, who are you to argue with God? Who are you and who am I to argue with God? When something happens in our life, when we lose something, when something's taken from us, when there's a tragedy, when a trial comes, when something doesn't go our way and we complain and we look up at heaven and we say, God, why did you do it? The, uh, the book of Romans says, hey, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? And here's what he's saying. He's saying, God is the creator. You are the creation. And we must understand the proper perspective of our position. I am no one to reply against God. I am no one to charge God. I am no one to question God. I am no one. I may not understand what God is doing. I may not understand where God is heading. But I understand this. I am the creature. He's the creature. Uh, the creator. Shall the thing form say to him that formed it, What hast thou made me thus? The thing formed doesn't get to say to the thing that formed it, what are you doing? How is it that Job made it through this difficult time? He kept a proper perspective of his personal position. And we know that because he fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He fell down upon the ground and realized, I am no one. God does not have to give me an answer. God does not have to give me an explanation. I, God doesn't worship me. I worship God. God doesn't answer to me. I answer to God. God doesn't you know, have to run his plan by me. And I better just be fine with whatever God is doing in my life. I want you to notice the second thing. We're talking about how is it that Job kept his patience through these trials Number one, he kept the proper perspective of his personal possession. Number two, position, excuse me. Number two, I want you to notice verse 21. And said. So here we have Job, right? Fell down and worshiped before God. Then he says this, verse 21, and said, Naked, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. You know what helped Job get through this time? Not only did he keep a proper perspective of his personal position, but he kept a proper perspective of his temporal possessions. He understood that what he's had was temporary. They said, you, you, you lost 7,000 uh, sheep and 3,000 
camels and 500 oxen and 500 asses. And you know, Job said, well, I know this. When I showed up, I showed up naked. And when I die, I'll die naked. I'm not taking anything with me. I didn't bring anything with me. Everything I have came from God. He understood the perspective of his temporal possessions. He said, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. And please understand this. When you and I begin to understand that we will begin life naked, we will end life naked, when we get that perspective, a whole lot of things become less important in life. And some things become not important at all. He understood, Job. Temporal possessions. And I will say this respectfully. Even your children are temporary. Even your spouse is temporary. Even your physical, familial relationships are temporary. Paul said this, Philippians 4.11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. See, the problem with new, you know, modern Christianity is that we only know how to abound. We only know how to serve God and be faithful to God and, serve, and, and be good to God when God is good to us. Paul says, hey, I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Job understood the perspective, not only of his personal position, but of his temporal possessions. Everything we have on this earth, look, everything on the, we have on this earth, do you understand this? Everything you have on this earth will eventually be taken from you. And, when God, and if God decides to take it tomorrow, you can let that discourage you, you can let that upset you, you can let that make you bitter, you can let that make you angry, or you can realize, you know what, it all belongs to God. You say, Pastor Matt, does it frustrate you that, you know, because of coronavirus or because of protests or because of different things in, in, in life, you know, the church has gone through ups and downs and it feels like we're constantly rebuilding? You know, if I let it, if I let it get to my flesh, yeah, it's frustrating. But when I realize that, you know what, this church belongs to God. This is not my church. You're not my people. We are the people of God. We belong to God, and if God chooses to do what God chooses to do, we may not understand it, we may not uh, see it all, we might not understand it until we get to heaven, but we know this, that our position is creature, and He is the creator, and our possessions are temporary. Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. And I want you to notice the third thing. Not only did Job understand his personal position, Not only did Job understand his temporal possession, but Job understood God's providence. That was what he says. Look at verse 21. And said, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. He said, I didn't bring anything with me, and I'm not taking anything with me. But then he says this. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job understood this. Everything I have came from God. Everything I possess came from God. And if God in his providence decides to give, and if God in his providence decides to take, I will bless. That's what, that's what it means when he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, please understand this. Please understand this. Because, you know, we get a house, we get a car, we get a job, we get a raise, we have a baby, and we say, praise the Lord, right? I mean, we bless the Lord. 
We bless God. Something good happens over here. Praise God. Well, I mean, think about this. Somebody says, you just lost your job. Well, praise the Lord. You, you have cancer. Well, praise the Lord. You've lost your wife. Well, praise the Lord. I mean, some of you might say that, but, you know. <laughs> you lost your husband, you know. You lost your children. I mean, this is what Job is saying. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job said not, nor charged God foolishly. See, there were several things that Job did not know. There were several things that we have the privilege of knowing because of the book of Job. And they are this, that just because we're going through a difficult time does not mean that God is displeased with us. Job did not. I don't, I don't know that Job necessarily knew that. Because we primarily know that through the book of Job. And Job did not know, but we know that God may allow trials in our lives because our response in that trial will be a testimony to others. I don't know that Job knew that, but we get to know that because we get to read and study the book of Job. Job did not know that everything uh, in his life, everything, whether good or bad, is filtered and permitted by God. I don't know that Job knew that. We know that because of the book of Job. But Job did know his personal position. Job did know his temporal possessions. And Job did understand God's providence, which is why the Bible says that he worshiped God, which is why that the Bible says that he responded by saying, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's a question I have for you. Would you respond like that? Could God, could God say about you and say about me, has thou considered my servant, Job? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this book. It's an amazing book. It's an encouraging book. And the truth is that one of the reasons you allowed Job to go through it was to help us. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. We don't want to judge people through hard times. We don't want to judge people through difficult times. We don't want to be Job's friends. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to maintain these thoughts when we go through a difficult time. It's so easy to begin to question, to begin to complain, to begin to criticize. Lord, help us to know. Thank you for allowing us to know what Job did not know and help us to remember what Job did know. Help us to know our position, to know our possessions are temporary, and to trust in the providence of God. Lord, thank you for this book. I pray you'd bless us as we work our way through it, as we go verse by verse through every chapter. Lord, I pray you'd help it to be a blessing to us, to be an encouragement to us, to help us to persevere and to have patience through difficult times in our lives. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.